healthcare.com. Healthcare that makes you smile. Virtual primary care and mental health treatment when you need it. Get personalized, high-quality healthcare by talking to top U.S. medical doctors all from the ease of your smartphone. Care for you and the ones you love most, high-quality. Our highly-skilled online doctors are trained at the top 50 U.S. medical schools with an average of 15 years of experience. Our online doctors give you and your entire family the peace of mind you should expect from your healthcare provider. Convenient, just book an appointment, chat via video on your smartphone, and pick up your prescription from your pharmacy. Our advanced technology is integrated with most major insurers, labs, and pharmacies. Affordable, talking to an online doctor has never been easier and more affordable for just your copay or $99 per visit. You can get quality care from one of our highly skilled online doctors. We are in network with most of our major insurers in the U.S and provide care in all 50 states. Over 450,000 patients cared for. Good morning, here is chapter 22 of Laura Ingalls Wilder's The Long Winter, Petal, Cold and Dark. That blizzard seemed never to end. It paused sometimes only to roar again quickly and more fiercely out of the northwest. Three days and nights of yelling shrill winds and a roaring fury beat that dark cold house and Sissy scoured it with ice stand. Ice sand. Then the sun was shone out from morning till noon perhaps and the dark anger of winds and icy snow came again. Sometimes in the night half awake and cold lower half I dreamed that the roof was scoured thin. Probably the great blizzard large as the sky bent over it and scoured with an enormous invisible cloth round and sound of the paper-thin roof till a whole war through and schooling chuckling laughing a deep ha-ha the blizzard whirled in barely in time to save herself Laura jumped awake then she did not dare to sleep again she lay still and small in the dark and all around her the black darkness of night that had always been restful and kind to her was now a whore. She had never been afraid of the dark. I am not afraid of the dark, she said to herself over and over, but she felt that the dark would catch her with claws and teeth if it could bear her to move or if it could hear her move or breathe. Inside the walls, under the roof where the nails were clumps of frost, even under the covers where she huddled the dark was crouched and Listening, daytimes were not so bad as the night. The dark was thinner than and ordinary things were in it. A dark toilet filled the kitchen with and the lean-to. Mary and Carrie took turns at the coffee mill that must never stop grinding. Mom made the bread and swept and clad, cleaned and fed the fire. In the lean-to, Laura and Paul twisted hay till the cold hands could not hold the hay to twist it and must be warmed at the stove. The fire could not keep the cold out of the kitchen but close to the stove and the air was warm. Mary's place was in front of the oven with Grace in her lap. Carrie stood behind the stovepipe and Ma's chair was on the other side of the stove. Ma and Pa and Laura leaned over the stove hearth into the warmth that rose upward. Their hands were red and swollen. The skin was cold and covered with cuts made by the sharp slew hay. 
hay was cutting the hay was cutting away the cloth of their coats on the left side and along the underneath of their left coat sleeves. Mom passed the warm places, but the hay cut away the patches. For breakfast, there was brown bread. Ma toasted it with crisp and hot in the oven, and she let them dip it in their tea. It was thoughtful. It was thoughtful you chose to lay in such supply of tea, she said. There was still plenty of tea, and there was still sugar for it. For the second meal of the day, she boiled twelve potatoes in their jackets. Little Grace needed only one; the others had two apiece. And Mom insisted that Pa take the extra one. They're not big potatoes, Charles, she argued, and you must keep up your strength. Anyway, eat it to save it. We don't want it, do we, girls? No, Mom, they all said. No, thank you, Pa, truly. I don't want it. This was, this was true. They were not really hungry. Pa was hungry. His eyes looked eagerly at the brown bread and the steaming potatoes when he came from struggling along, along the clothesline in the storm. But the others were only tired, tired of the winds and the cold and the dark. Tired of brown bread and potatoes, tired and listless and dull. Every day, Laura found time to study a little. When the enough, when enough day was twisted to last for an hour, she sat come by Mary between the stove and the table and opened the school books. But she felt dull and stupid. She could not remember history, and she leaned her head on her head and looked at a problem on a slate without saying how to solve it or wanting to. Come, come, girls, we must not mope, Mop said. <coughs> Straighten up, Laura, and Carrie. Do your lessons briskly, and then we will have an entertainment. How, Ma? Carrie asked. Get your lessons first, said Ma. When study time was over, Ma took the independent fifth reader. Now she said, let's see how much you can repeat from memory. You first, Mary. What shall it be? The speech of regular, said Mary. Ma turned the leaves until she found it, and Mary began. Ye doubtless thought for ye judge of Roman virtue by your own, that I would break my plighted out rather than returning Brook your vengeance. Mary could repeat the whole of that splendid defiance. Here in your capital do I defy you. Have I not conquered your armies, fired your tails, and dragged your generals at my chariot wheels since first my youthful arms could wield a spear? The kitchen seemed to grow larger and warmer. The blizzard winds were not as strong as those were. <coughs> you did that perfectly, Ma, praised her. Now, Laura. <coughs> Old Tubal came, Laura began, and the verses lifted her to her feet. <coughs> you had to stand up and let your voice ring out with the hammer strokes of Old Tubal Cain. Old Tubal Cain was a man of might in the days when the hearth, when the earth was young, by the fierce red light of his furnace bright, the strokes of hammer rung. Pop came in before Laura reached the end. Go on, go on, he said. That warmed, that warmed me as much as a fire. So Laura went on, and while Pa got out of his coat that was light and stiff with snow driven into it, and leaned over the fire to melt the snow frozen in his eyebrows, and sang hurrah for Tubal Cain. Our staunch good friend is he, and for the plowshare and the plow, turn him to our praise shall be. But while oppression lifts his head, on a tyrant would be Lord, though he be thanking for the plow, we will not forget the thorn. You remembered every word correctly, Laura Ma said, shutting the book. Carrie and Grace shall have their turns tomorrow. It was time then to visit more hay, but while Laura shivered and twisted the sharp stuff in the cold, she thought of more verses. Tomorrow afternoon was something to look forward to. The fifth reader was full of beautiful speeches and poems she wanted to remember perfectly, as many of them as Mary remembered. 
blizzard stopped sometimes, the whirling wind straightened out and steadied the air cleared above blowing snow and passed it out to Holly. Then Laura and Mary worked quickly to do their washing and hanging out in the cold breeze drive. No one knew how the blizzard would come how soon the blizzard would come again. At any moment the cloud might rise and come faster than any horses could run. Paul was not safe out on the prairies away from the town. Sometimes the blizzard stopped for half a day, sometimes the sun shone from morning to sunset and the blizzard came back with the dark. On such days Paul hauled three loads of hay until he came back and put David in the stable. Laura and Ma worked hard and silently, looking often at the sky and listening to the wind and Carrie slightly watched the northwest through the people that she made on the window. Paul often said that he, he could not have managed without David. He was he is such a good horse. Paul said, I did not know a horse could be so good and patient. When David fell through the snow, he always stood until Paul shoveled him out. Then quickly and patiently that he hauled the sled around the hole and went on until he fell through the snow crust again. I wish I had some oats or corn to give him, he said. When the roaring and shrieking winds came back and the sky was in the world again, Paul said, Well, there's hay enough to last a while, thanks to David. The clothesline was there to guide him to the stable and back. There was hay and still some wheat and potatoes while the storm went through. Paul was safe at home. And in the afternoons, Mary and Laura and Carrie recited evening grace near Mary's little lamb, and both peep had lost their sheep. Laura liked to see Grace's blue eyes, and Carrie shone with excitement when she told them, Listen, my children, and you shall hear of the midnight ride of Paul Revere. On the 18th of April in 1775, hardly a man is now alive who remembers that famous day in here. She and Carrie both loved to repeat in concert the swan's nest. Little Ella sits alone mid the, spe- mid the beaches of the meadow by a stream side on the grass and the trees showering down doubles other leaves in the shadow on her shining hair and face. The air was warm and quiet there and the grass was the air is warm and quiet there, the grass was warm in the sunshine, the clear water sang its song to itself and the leaves softly murmured. The meadows insects drowsily hummed whilst they were there with little Ellie, Laura and Carrie almost forgot the cold. They hardly heard the winds and the whirling hard snow scouring the walls. One still morning Laura came down said to find Ma looked surprised and Paul laughing. We'll look out the back door, he told Laura. She ran through the lean to and opened the back door. There was a there was a rough low tunnel going into the shadows in grey white snow. Its walls and its floors were snow and a snow roof solidly filled the top of the doorway. I had to go from my way to the stable this morning, Paul explained. But what did you do with the snow, Laura? Oh, I made the tunnel as low as I could get through. I dug the tunnel I dug the snow out and pushed it back of me and up through a hole that blocked it with the last of of it. There's nothing like snow for keeping out the wind, Paul rejoiced. As long as that snow stands I can do my chores in comfort. How deep is the snow, Ma wanted to know. I can't say it's piled up considerably different than the lean-to roof, Paul answered. You don't mean to say this house is buried in snow, Ma explained. A good thing if it is, Paul replied. You know the kitchen is warmer than it has been this winter. Or 
ran upstairs. She scratched people on the window and put her eyes to it. She could hardly believe them. The main street was level with her eyes. Across the splitting snow, she could see the pink square of Hartthorn's false front sticking up like a short piece of solid board fence. She heard a great, she heard a gay shout, and, and then she saw horses' roofs trotting rapidly before her eyes. Eight gray roofs and slender brown angles swiftly bending and spreading passed quickly by, and then a long sled with two pairs of boots standing on it. She crashed down to look for upward through the people, but the sled was gone. She saw only the sky sharp with sunlight that stabbed her eyes. She ran down to the warm kitchen to tell what she had seen. The wilder boys, Pa said, they're hauling hay. How do you know, Pa? Laura asked him. I only saw the horses, feet, and boots. There's no one in town but those two, and he, and me. That dares go out of town, said Pa. Folks are afraid a blizzard will come up. Those wilder boys are hauling in all their flu from, flu hay from Big Slew and selling it for three dollars a load to burn. Three dollars, Ma exclaimed. Yes, and fair enough for the risk they take. They're making a good thing out of it. Wish I could, wish I could, but they're, but they've got coal to burn. I'll be glad if we have enough hay to last us through. It was, I wasn't counting on it for our winter fuel. They went by as high as the houses, Laura exclaimed. She was still excited. It was strange to see horses, goats, and a sled of boots in front of your eyes. <coughs> as a little animal, a gopher, for instance, might see them. It's a wonder they don't sink in the dress, moss. Oh no, Pa said. Pa was wolfing his toes and wolf making his tea rapid. They won't sink. These winds pack the snow as hard as a rock. David's shoes don't even make tracks on it. They, the only troubles where the grass is lodged and loose underneath. He got into his wraps in a hurry. Those boys have got to start have got the start of me this morning. I was digging the tunnel. Now I've got to dig David out of the stable. Got to haul hay and while the sun shines, he joked as he shut the door behind him. He's feeding Chipper because he's got that tunnel, said Ma. It's a blessing he can do the chores in some comfort out of the wind. That day, they could not watch the sky from the kitchen window. So a little cold came through the came through the snow that Laura led Mary into the lean-to and taught her how to twist hay. Mary had wanted to learn, but the lean-to had been too cold. It took her some time to, because she could not see how Laura twisted and held the strands and tucked in the ends. But at least she did it. She did it well. They stopped to warm themselves only for a few. Only a few times while they twisted the whole day's supply of hay sticks. Then the kitchen was so warm that they need not crowd around the stove. The house was still very, the house was very still. The only sounds were the little sounds of Ma and Mary rocking the slate pencil on the slate, the tea kettle's pleasant hum, and their own low voices speaking. What's a blessing this snow, this deep snow drift had Masa, but they could not watch the sky. Watching it did no good. If the low gray cloud was swiftly rising, they could not stop it. They could not help Pa. He would see the cloud and reach shelter as quickly as he could. Laura thought this many times, but just the same. She hurried upstairs through the cold to peep from the window. Ma and Carrie looked at her quickly when she came down, and she always answered them out loud so that Mary would know. The sky's clear was not a thing. 
is stirring, but millions of clues in the snow. I don't know. I don't believe there's a burst of wind. That afternoon, Paul dragged Hay through the tunnel to cram the lean to full. He had uh, he had dug the tunnel past the stable door so that David could get out. And beyond the stable, he had turned the tunnel up at an angle to check the winds that might blow into it. I never saw such weather, he said. It must be all of 40 degrees below zero and not a breath of air stirring. The whole world seems frozen solid. I hope this cold hole going through that tunnel has no chore at all to do the chores. Next day was like the same. The stillness and the dusk and the warmth seemed to be a clip, chainless dream going on forever the same. Like the clock ticking, Laura jumped in her chair with the clock cleared its throat before it struck. Don't be so nervous, Laura, Mom murmured, as if she was able, as if she were half asleep. They did not recite that day. They did not do anything. They just at, they just sat. The night was still too. But morning woke them with a howling fury. The winds had come again and the lashing swirl, whirl of snow. Well, the tunnel's going fast, Pa said when he came into breakfast. His eyebrows were frozen white with snow again. His wraps were stiff with a cold refreshing the warmth back again to the stove. I did my, I did hope my tunnel would last through one of these onslaughts anyway. Gosh dang this blizzard, it only, go, it only lets go long enough to, pit, to spit on his hands. Don't swear, little Charles Ma snapped at him. She clapped her hand to her mouth in horror. Oh, Charles, I'm sorry, she apologized. I didn't mean to snap at you, but this wind blowing isn't blowing. Her voice died away, and she stood listening. I know, Carolyn, Paul answered. I know you. I know just how it makes you feel. It tires you out. I'll tell you what. After breakfast, we'll read for a while about Livingston's African, Africa. It's too bad I've burned so much hay this morning, Charles Moss said. I've, I've, hay, I've had to burn more trying to get the place warm. Never mind, it's no trick to twist more. Paul replied, I'll help, Paul, Laura, but we've got all day for it, Paul said. Everything is snug at the stable till night. We'll twist hay first, then we'll read. Grace began to whisper, my feet's cold. For shame, for shame, Grace, a big girl like you, go warm your feet, Laura Calder. Calder. Come sit on my lap and warm them, Mary said, filling her way to a rocking chair before the oven. After Laura and Pa had twisted a great pile of hay sticks and stacked them by the stove, Carrie brought Pa his big green book. I read about the lion's paw. Pa, please read about the lion's paw, she asked him. We can play the wind. We can play the wind is lions roaring. I'm afraid I'll have to have a light, Carolyn, Pa said. This print is small. Ma lighted the button lamp and set it by him. Now, he said, this is a silver light in Africa. The looking right here is from our campfire. Wild animals are all around us, yowling and squealing and roaring. Lions and tigers and hyenas and I guess a hippopotamus or two. They won't come anywhere near us because they're afraid of the fire. You hear big leaves rasping too and queer birds squawking. It's a thick, black, hot night with big stars overhead. Now I'm going to read what happens he began to read. Laura tried to listen but she felt, felt stupid enough. Pa's voice slid away from to the ceaseless noises of the storm. She felt that the buzzer must stop before she could do anything before she could even listen or think, but it would never stop. It had been blowing forever. She was tired. She was tired of the cold and the dark, tired dark, tired of the brown bread and potatoes, tired of the twisting hay and grinding the wheat, filling the stove and washing dishes and making beds and going to sleep and waking up. She was tired of the blizzard winds. There was no time in, in, in them anymore. 
There was no tune in them anymore, only a confusion of sound beating in on her ears. While she spoke, suddenly interrupting his reading, Won't you play the fiddle? Paul looked up, looked at her in surprise, then laid down the book. Why, yes, Laura, she said. If you want to hear the fiddle, I'll play it. He opened and shut his hands and rubbed the fingers while Laura brought the fiddle box from his warm shelter on the floor behind the stove. Paul brought him the bowl, tucked the fiddle under his chin, and touched his fingers. He looked at Laura. Play Bonnie Doon, Laura said, and Paul played the thing. Ye banks and braids of Bonnie Doon, how can ye bloom stay fresh and fair? But every note from the fiddle was a very little wrong. Was a very little wrong. Paul's fingers were clumsy, the music dragged, and the fiddle strings snapped. My fingers are too stiff and thick from being out in the cold too much. I can't play if Paul spoke as if he were ashamed. He laid the fiddle in his put it away, Laura, until some other time he said. I wish you'd help me anyway, Charles Moss said. She took the coffee from meal from Mary and emptied the ground wheat from his little drawer. She filled the small hopper with kernels and handed the meal to Pa. I'll need another grinding to make the bread for dinner, she said, she told him. Ma took the covered dish of sourdough from its warm place under the stove. She stirred it briskly for him, then measured two cupfuls into the pan, added salt and salertus and the flour that Mary and Carrie had ground. Then she took the meal from Pa and added the flour he had made. That's just enough, she said. Thank you, Charles. I'd better be doing the chores now before it gets too dark. Pa said, I'll have a hot meal ready and waiting by the time you come in. Ma reminded him. He put, the, he put on his wraps and went out into the storm. Laura listened to the winds while, he, she stated, while she stared at the bank window without saying it. The worst thing that had happened was that Pa could not play the fiddle. If she did not ask him to play, it might not have known. He might not have known that he could not do it. Ma, with Carrie crowded beside her, sat on her rocking chair by the stove, opposite Mary. She held Grace in her arms to rock slowly, softly singing to her. I will sing you a song that of that beautiful land, the faraway home of the soul, where no storms ever beat at that, on that glittering strand. While the years, <coughs> while the years of eternity roll, the wailing hymn will with the wail of the winds, while night settles down, deepening the dusk with the whirling snow. Thanks for listening to this chapter. Have a good week and stay safe.